Hey, good morning. It's Saturday, and that means it's time for Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. We're with you till noon, and we've got a very, very, very big show as we do uh, every week. Our guest list includes, but is not limited to, Former Owls defensive tackle Eric Wilson, big number 69, won back-to-back Grey Cups with the Owls in 2009-2010. Also, he was a teammate of Tom Brady's. That's right, Tommy and Eric Wilson went to school. They played on the Michigan football team together. We'll talk to him about that just after 10.35. The newest member of the Montreal Impact. No game this weekend, but Mustafa Kiza will join us at 11.05 to preview Friday's night's game right here on TSN 690, the playoffs, MLS Cup playoffs against the New England Revolution. NFL Week 10 coming up. The coach, Jeff Reinbold, will join us at 11.35, even though he's fighting through a hacking of his his, uh, Twitter account. Uh, But we do have some breaking news in the world of sports. Less than an hour ago, Lance Stroll wins pole position at the Turkish Grand Prix and uh, my good buddy over at TSN, Tim Haraney, the racing analyst there, will join us in about 15 minutes' time to break that all down. It hasn't been an easy ride for Canadian driver Lance Stroll since he joined Formula One back in 2017. He started at Williams, and now he's at Racing Point, which is a team his father, Lawrence, owns. And Stroll has put up with a lot. There's been murmurs about him being only being an F1 because of how deep his father's pockets are, but he's shown at different times in his young career that he can hang out, and that he can hang out and hang with the best on the Formula One circuit. Today was a huge step forward for the 22-year-old as he became the first Canadian since Jacques Villeneuve in 1997 to start on pole position in Formula One. I was at Stroll's first Canadian Grand Prix back in 2017, and that was his rookie season, and he got off to a rocky start. I think he failed. He DNF'd his first three races... And he finally finished the fourth race of that season. He finished over, uh, I think it was at Sochi in Russia. And then they finally get to June. And the expectations here weren't very high. I remember covering that Grand Prix uh, for TSN 690. And sure, there was some buzz, but you get the usual, right? The Lewis Hamilton fans, the Ferrari fans. And then you have a sprinkling of the other fans, too. But there was a little bit of a buzz around Lance Stroll, but I think the expectations they were like they were there was no expectations, right? I think going into that weekend, I remember just thinking to myself, if he finishes, that's a win. Not only did he finish, I mean that's a pressure moment for you. You're at home in front of fans and family, and I remember covering the buildup to the race. You know, he was doing different events. He had an event in Griffintown. He was all over the place. So it's not even just the normal Grand Prix, but it's also your home Grand Prix. He came in and he finished ninth. And a top 10 finish gets you points. And those were the first points of Lance Stroll's Formula One career. And I just remember interviewing him after the race. And I think he was he was 18 or 19 at the time. And the look of relief... And excitement on his face is one I'll never forget. And coming into Formula One, you know, I'd, I'd followed his career uh, through the you know the lower ranks of, of racing a little bit. Obviously, followed a lot closer now that he's you know part of the the mainstream racing circuit. And I think his confidence had been pretty rattled. 
you don't finish the first three races of your career in Formula One, yeah, that'll probably rattle you. But credit to him in a pressure moment with a Williams car that didn't really stack up with, you know, some of the you know some of the faster cars on the circuit. I gave him credit at the time because he managed to come in and score some points. And I've never been that guy who's going to go after Lance Stroll only because, you know, his father's, you know, they, they come from, you know, they comes from money and that's why he's in Formula One. It absolutely helps. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. But I think the kid has shown over the last, you know, four, three, was it three, four seasons now that there are times he can hang in Formula One. But Formula One has become a very, very much a one-dimensional, you know, it's one team always at the top of the leaderboard. It's one driver. I mean, Lewis Hamilton's going for his seventh, you know, driver's championship. And now, you know, he's passed Michael Schumacher for career wins on the circuit. His Formula One's been dominated by Lewis Hamilton, let's be real. And the budgets are very different when you look at Mercedes, Ferrari. So the fact that Lance Stroll even as tricky as the conditions were was able to come up with a with a with a you know pull finish here at the Turkish Grand Prix on Saturday that's huge and i'm extremely extremely happy for him this is how it sounded can he dislodge his teammate Sergio Perez from pole position stroll crosses the line and he does go pole 147.7 Lance stroll is on pole for the first time in his career that's it, P1, P1. Yes, boys! <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> yes! First Canadian uh, to take pole since Jacques Villeneuve, European Grand Prix in 1997. Last time this team were on pole was in Spa, Giancarlo Fisichella in 2009 with a lucky rabbit's foot as well when they were Force India. Thrilled for Lance Stroll. You can tell there the excitement as he's uh, just completed uh, that final lap in Turkey and the conditions were wet. They actually had to stop qualifying for a little bit. The red flag came out uh, and uh, we will talk a little bit more about that uh, with Tim Haraney, who's the uh, racing analyst for TSN and for Sports Center. He'll join us in about 10 minutes' time. I uh, want to bring in my good buddy Johnny Still, who's wearing the Kansas City Chiefs toque, even though he's a fan of the Washington football team. Johnny, what's up, man? What's going on? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, there's, you know, we keep hearing that there's not really much going on in the world of sports, but mm-hmm. Formula One, NFL football. The Masters is going on, and we've got coverage of the Masters on TSN 690 uh, beginning at noon today, right through 5 o'clock. And then tomorrow we will have the final round uh, 10 to 3 uh, on TSN 690. Uh, and John will be uh, keeping you updated along the way throughout Saturday sports. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get to the Masters as well, John. Uh, we will talk, uh, as I mentioned, we will be talking plenty of football, but that was pretty special this morning. I know you're a big Formula One guy and uh, Lance Stroll coming through. I was uh, I was happy for I was happy for Lance proud of Lance. Yeah, I mean when you start putting it into the historical context of the fact it's been since 1997, I mean I just I just celebrated a 23 year wait for someone to get back to the top of something in uh, Canada. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what that same. is? No, Why don't no, you no. tell us what we'll, that was? We'll you were excited about, about that. We'll talk about it later. In the same Scotland uh, qualifying for That's the right. Euro and uh, in the same group as England. I think that game goes was that June 18th. 
Or is it July uh, 18th? I'm not entirely sure. It's All June 18th or July 18th. I they'll forget be playing, now. and everyone's uh, praying that they're going to be able to play at Hampton Park in I think Glasgow. It's June 18, yeah. Which would be, uh, my goodness, it would be absolutely insane. And I was joking with Mo Khan on uh, Twitter over the week that yes. it would be classic England to uh, to lose, <laughs> lose to, to Scotland. Scotland. Absolutely. It would be classic England, so I'm very much looking forward to that. But yeah, for going back to Lance Stroll, I mean, I gave him a hard time when he came in. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the uh, the nepotism was obvious uh, in terms of getting into Formula One, but it's what you do after you get the chance. He got a chance. Uh, he got a more favorable draw than maybe other drivers, thanks to sure. his dad being able to get him into the circuit. But if you're able to perform, you're able to perform, and he's justifying at least now, after a few years in Formula One. Again, uh, he's been in the points a couple times, but... I think that um, the more and more he can build on his career is good for racing in general. Another Canadian who's up there, Nicholas Latifi, I don't know where he's starting in this uh, group as well, but to have two Canadians just on the F1 circuit in and of itself is big. And I just, I'm always surprised when these things come about that we kind of forget that it's been that long, more than two decades, since a Canadian has claimed a pole on F1. That's 1997. That's, that's kind of mind-boggling. When you, when you put it into that context, it is kind of surprising. Yeah, uh, Nicholas Latifi, by the way, of uh, Williams, uh, starting 19th of 20 uh, drivers. But the conditions were brutal. I mean, the conditions out in mm. Turkey are just nuts. And I saw that big, you know the, the car, the, the, tr- the, the big truck that cleans the streets? Yes. Like with the, with the uh, brush that spins? Oh, yeah. Like that was on the track. That was on the track in Turkey. That's how bad the conditions were. They were cleaning up the track because there was just water. The rain was coming down. Water started accumulating. And uh, I give uh, I give Lance Stroll credit, man. Like this guy found a way. Uh, and I saw an interview uh, well, with the boss at Racing Point. Yeah. He's the one who made the That's call to go to the say. intermediate he cars. He called his own number. He called it. So I mean, right there. Again, it's all about what you do once you're handed that chance, and to have the tactical new nuance to actually know ahead of your pit crew when to switch to the proper tires is huge. That's exactly how you win races in Formula One. So for mm-hmm. him to get up there and kind of take the bull by the horns and call his own shot, and then in the end having it pay off, and not only that, like devoid of having Lance up there. Mm-hmm. Max Verstappen is still in the top three, but it's just nice to see no one from Mercedes or yeah. Ferrari yeah. in the top three. <laughs> Ferrari, we know. Well, Ferrari, I mean, come on, has man, been a nightmare. But uh, to not have anyone from Mercedes at the top of the pole, at the top of the uh, leaderboard, is uh, is quite good. All right, so the leaderboard, Lance Stroll at the top. He'll start in first place uh, for uh, tomorrow's ahead of tomorrow's Turkish Grand Prix, which you can catch. On TSN, was it, is that 5 a.m., John, that you said? 5 a.m., 5 a.m. Uh, Max Verstappen of Red Bull starts second. Sergio Perez of Racing Point, that's Lance Stroll's teammate, he'll start third. So it's uh, Racing Point, one and three. Uh, if you're wondering, Lewis Hamilton will start sixth, and uh, Valtteri Bottas, his teammate, starts ninth. The Ferrari, Sebastian Vettel, 12. Charles Leclerc will start 14. But uh, today, it's all about Lance Stroll taking pole at the Turkish Grand Prix, uh, so we will definitely... I keep an eye on that anyway, but now I'll make sure that, uh, you know, maybe I set the alarm. Instead of PVRing it, I might set the alarm for early morning, Sunday morning, because I usually... Can't, when it's one of these Euro or one of these, you know, weird times, I don't typically wake up at, like, 3 a.m. or 5 a.m. or whatever, John. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I might 
I might watch live. I may be singing a different tune tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, I'm glad there's not going to be like a, a live camera well, on me. It's a good thing there's no uh, Alabama LSU tonight. So yeah, that, uh, there's that's not much that's going to keep you up in the way of. But sports I don't know. I don't know if I'm waking up at uh, at that time. It's Saturday sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri and John still with you till noon. We will be talking to TSN racing analyst Tim Haraney about Lance Stroll's uh, conquest. He uh, claimed the pole at the Turkish Grand Prix, uh, so he will start first tomorrow. We will talk to Tim Haraney of TSN about that, but I want to get into the Saturday sports question of the day before we do that, and it has nothing to do with Formula One. It's sort of about the Masters. So, John, I said that you can attend either every round of the Masters, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, and you don't know which teams are in there. Like, I'm giving you the ticket, like, last week. All right. Nice, nice. You can go to the Super Bowl. Again, you don't know what team is there. And you're only there for a day. You're in Sunday, out Sunday. Or you can go to the 2021 Euro Cup Final in London. But again, you're in, you're out. You don't get to see any other games. You don't know who's playing in the final. And uh, you can vote on that poll question uh, at Joey Alfieri and at TSN690 on Twitter. Uh, The Masters, the Super Bowl, Stanley Cup Game 7, Euro Cup Final. What do you think is leading through... Uh, what are we at? 17 minutes into the show. Mm, I'll say don't overthink it. The Stanley Cup. Yes. Yeah. 37 and a half percent want to attend Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. But again, you don't know which teams are there. You don't even know if it's happening. You don't know if there's any fans. You don't in even there. know. If, well, I mean, no, no. Let's assume that you yeah, can yeah, go. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, in second right now, the Masters. I don't know if that's a little recency bias, but I'd love to go to Augusta. That'd be pretty cool. I uh, had a buddy go to Augusta a few years ago, said it was a, just a life-changing experience. Uh, the Euro Cup final comes in at 24.5% and the Super Bowl. Interesting that last, the Super Bowl is 16%. Last. Very surprised by that. Yeah. Very surprised, although I am pretty happy that uh, the Euro didn't come in last. I kind of figured that it would. And I'm very happy that it didn't. So what did you would take? Be my what are you taking? One. That's my number that's, one. Is that's where I would have 100%. gone 100%. That's where I would have gone Because not to. only that, you're in there for that amazing tailgate before the game. So even though I'm in and out on Sunday, I'll be going home Sunday uh, enjoying myself on the way back. So the tailgate, I think, for the Euros, as well as the game itself, would be uh, absolutely terrific. All right. And I, look, I couldn't include the uh, Grey Cup uh, World Series. Like I, I had to Surprise, draw the line. You didn't put the Grey Cup I in had there. to draw the line somewhere. If you have another answer from the options uh, that are available to you on Twitter, you can text us at 11690 or tweet me at Joey Alfieri and at TSN690. But uh, coming up next, we will talk to TSN racing analyst Tim Haraney about Lance Stroll, Montreal's own claiming pole position at the Turkish Grand Prix. Montreal Canadiens Hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. Can he dislodge his teammate Sergio Perez from pole position? Stroll crosses the line and he does go pole. 147-7. Lance Stroll is on pole for the first time in his career. That's it, P1, P1. Yes, boys! <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> yes! First Canadian uh, to take pole since Jacques Villeneuve, European Grand Prix in 1997. Last time this team were on pole was in Spa, Giancarlo Fisichella in 2009 with a lucky rabbit's foot as well when they were Force India. Not so fast. There are there have been some uh, 
breaking developments here in the uh, world of Formula One. I'm Joey Alfieri. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. We're with you till noon. Uh, just a reminder, we will be talking to Montreal Impact left back Mustafa Kiza uh, just after 11.05. But it's a pleasure to welcome to the show for the first time my good buddy out in Toronto, for racing analyst for TSN, Tim Haraney. Timmy, what's going on? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I haven't seen you in ages. Yeah, it's been a while. Do you yeah. have any uh, reports you need me to file for you? <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, boy. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you remember when I was giving you those racing pointers when we were sitting next to each other at uh, at the Canadian Grand Prix? Don't let me tell your audience about the time I had to do your update for you. You had to do my update what? for interesting, me. Interesting, interesting. Just before we get into this, boys. This is a fake news. Going That's back, fake news if I've ever heard. Going back heard to that clip news. there, yes. did you hear how happy the announcer was to be able to use that little rhyme there as someone who follows the British media? <laughs> Stroll on pole. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, he it's, was very happy. It's been happy. all over their Twitter account. He was accounts. very happy. I think, Tim, I, think, I think Tim might have used that one too. But, Tim, there's there's been a, there's been a development here. Uh, Lance Stroll is being investigated for not yeah. slowing enough on a yellow flag. Like, how did how did you see it? What are the chances that he's stripped of the pole position here? Yeah, I mean, he he could very well be stripped of his uh, first career pole here. I mean, during his uh, pole run, uh, he didn't slow enough at turn seven for wave flags, but he did get a radio message from his team uh, to keep pushing. So I think as a racing driver, you know, obviously you go with what the team says and then you sort it out afterwards. So he is scheduled to meet with them in five minutes. So hopefully we'll be able to find out in the next hour or so, uh, what, uh, what the outcome may be. Uh, if he is deemed to have found to have broken the rule, then he'll be stripped of his first career pole and he'll probably be handed a grid penalty as as well, so what could, do you uh, think? Could go either way here. But what, what do you think, Tim? What is your gut telling you? You have you have more experience than we do, obviously, with this. Yeah, I mean, I watched uh, watching the onboard lap. I I did see that there was a a yellow flag. I think you know the biggest thing is if it's a double waved uh, yellow that that's kind of like extra caution. And usually, when you get into those circumstances, then uh, you tend to run the risk of getting these grid penalties. But uh, Watching watching his pull lap, I mean, yeah, I mean, once the team gives you a message like, you know, don't worry about it, keep pushing, like you have to you have to listen to the team and, and keep doing what you're doing. At the end of the day, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's really really close to see who starts on the front row between him and Max Verstappen and his teammate Sergio Perez. So I think it's just like I was saying, you know, just roll the dice and, and see what happens and take it to the stewards' office and and see what they uh they end up they end up doing i mean it's a tough spot to be in especially as a driver because it's the conditions are extremely tricky you can't really see a lot of uh the peripheries of what's going on around the racetrack they do have like lights that they've put up now that kind of give you a better signal that you can see if there's a yellow flag a blue flag a red flag whatever Mm -hmm. it may be but uh still at the end of the day when you're that focused on a on a pole run it's you and it's wet, and your visor is dirty. It's it's still really hard to see. It's TSN's Tim Haraney, the racing analyst, joining us on Saturday Sports. Joey Alfieri on TSN six ninety. I was just you know watching that this morning uh, in the studio, Tim. I was just I was thrilled for him, uh, just because I I think you and I were together when he got his first points. Were you at the twenty seventeen Canadian yeah. Grand Prix? You remember how yeah. relieved he looked 
in that yeah. post in that post race availability like that rookie season he was a teenager he didn't finish the first three races he finally finished the fourth one in Russia then comes to Montreal with all the spotlight on him and not only did he finish he finished top 10 he finished ninth I was thrilled for him yeah and he started that race I believe it was 18th from that mistake. yeah he had a brutal qualifying and that's you know one of the things that uh I've spoken a lot of at Lance over the past few years is just his poor qualifyings I mean it's been absolutely dreadful, uh, to say the least, of the past few years and how he's qualified the race car. But I would say this season, the team has worked really hard with him. And, and I think he spent a lot of the off season really trying to figure out one lap qualifying strategies with the type of tire compounds that Formula One does use. And he was just a, he's just been a different driver all season, I would say, up until Mugello when he had his big accident there. Yeah. Up until then, he's been absolutely outstanding. He's been one of the best drivers on the grid, aside from Lewis Hamilton, obviously. But you know, this is um, this was a this was a qualifying that I think he needed to get back on track. And if he gets to take it away from him, I don't think that will shake the confidence. I think he'll still know that he can do it moving on to the next few rounds. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think. The other important factor is if he does get stripped of this poll, um, him and the team will still have to fight for points because at the moment the team's tied for third, or sorry, excuse me, they're tied for fourth in the constructor standings. And for those of you who don't know, the, there's a lot of money that gets paid out to these teams mm-hmm. at the end of the season, first place, second place, third place, fourth place, etc. And we're talking like tens of millions of dollars. And these teams use that money to bankroll the next year's race car. And so the more money these teams can kind of get put towards their race cars for the following seasons, the better off the car is going to be and the better off the teams will do uh, moving on. So for the team, you know, getting points this weekend is extremely, extremely important. So if Lance is stripped of this poll, I mean, it, it, it could be really tough for them to finish third in the constructors standings at the end of the season timmy thanks for doing this uh, last minute and stay out of trouble all right hey not a problem thanks again guys for having me on appreciate it that's tim haraney tsn racing analyst joining us on saturday sports on tsn 690 again if you're just joining us and you've heard you followed on social media or you watched it on tsn rds a uh, lance stroll uh didn't w- did win poll uh, at the turkish grand prix earlier today but he is under investigation for not slowing enough uh, for a yellow flag on turn seven during his pole lap. Uh, so as uh, Tim mentioned there, uh, he's going to be meeting uh, with the stewards in uh, at, in about f- any minute now. Uh, so we will find out. We'll keep you up to date on whether or not Lance Stroll gets to keep that pole position uh, heading into tomorrow's Turkish Grand Prix. He won two great cups with the Owls, and he was a teammate of Tom Brady's in college. What was Brady like before becoming a star? Big number 69, Eric Wilson, will tell us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens hockey. Montreal Impact Soccer. Major League Baseball. NFL football. The Masters. Olympics. And so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSN 690.
Welcome back. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. We're with you till noon. Just a reminder, we will be talking uh, soccer with Impact left-back Mustafa Kiza uh, just after 11.05. And we will also be joined by Jeff Reinbold. He's the special teams coordinator of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and he's an NFL analyst for Sky Sports over in Europe. Uh, he'll join us uh, just after 11.35 to talk about the uh, landscape week 10 in the NFL. But right now, pleasure to welcome to the show for the first time. I uh, haven't seen him in quite some time, but a brilliant career uh, in the NFL and in the CFL. He's a two-time Great Cup champ, big number 69 for the Montreal Alouettes, Eric Wilson. Eric, what's going on? Bonjour, Montreal. <laughs> I love it. What you been up to, man? What's going on? Oh, brother, it's so good to hear your voice. It's so good to be uh, back uh, a part of, of Montreal, man. It is. It's been good. It's been good. How's everything with you? Good, good, man. Uh, just it was disappointing this year that uh, there was no CFL season just because uh, of the oh. pandemic. Um, yeah. But it gave us an opportunity. Uh, TSN played a lot of classic games, so I've rewatched and I've seen the 2009 and 2010 Grey Cup about I think about 150,000 times. I might be able to uh, break down the game uh, even better than you could. That's how many times I've seen it. The play-by-play, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to get into that, Eric. I can't even believe um, two weeks from now, believe it or not, uh, it's the 50th anniversary of the. Uh, 1970 Grey Cup win for the Alouettes, which they won. They were the third seed in the East, and they beat Calgary, another third seed uh, out in the West. They beat them in the Grey Cup in 1970, and it's 10 years since the Owls last won the Grey Cup on the same day, November 28th. I can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, That's man. Crazy. That's uh, it's uh, yeah. This, this this season, you know, it was sad to see that happen. The world is in a weird place right now, but. At least we at least we're able to watch and, and kind of uh, you know relive those moments you know to uh, to get us through it. So, all right. So when I bring on uh, a lot of your you know a lot of your teammates, um, we usually start by talking about the 2009 game. Too many men on the field. We'll get into that in a second, right? But the <laughs> yeah. second year around, you know, when you beat Saskatchewan in the Grey Cup again. Um, I think there's a lot of key moments that kind of jump out to me. Uh, you know, SJ Green came up with a lot of big plays. That was, you know, his. That was the season where you know he stepped up and took a bigger role. But the the V play is the Jamel Richardson, uh, the lob ball inside the five yard line. Like when you think about the 2010 Grey Cup, what do you think of? What memories come back? I just, you know, what it was, uh, one of one of my memories, you know, being on the defensive side, I mean, it, actually, I played on both sides yeah. of the ball, so whenever they needed me. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, my, my thing uh, was when uh, Durant was scrambling on that, on that third down, yeah. he kind of got uh, bunched up in the pocket, and um, he got hit, and he was throwing the ball, and he lobbed it up, and we intercepted the ball, and, and that was the end of the game, I mean. Anything can happen in this game, and it's so quick, it's so fast-paced, and, um, you know, there's so many opportunities at the end of the game. And we were playing, you know, we were only playing three down, um, and when he got, you know, we thought he was sacked, and then all of a sudden he popped out and he got one last thing. You never knew what was going to happen. We intercepted on the sideline, and that was the end of the game. You know, it was 21-18, which was, uh, I'll take any day. Yeah, that was, was that, 
was that Ferry? Was that Diamond Ferry who got in there, or Jermaine McElveen? And I forget who it was, but yeah. Billy Parker intercepted that ball up the sideline. I remember that. Yeah, exactly. I think it was Ferry. I think it was Diamond. Um, I was out because we ran only three front, and then we had Diamond sitting on the top. So right. it's you know, as a as a starter and as somebody who's played you know a ton of football, it's it's tough to watch from the sideline when when those when those you know times come and you got to like. Yeah, okay, we're going to run three down, and we go from there. And you're just you're sitting there going, okay, I know my boys can get this done. And when we hit him, and then he popped out again yeah. to get that ball <laughs> off, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and then Billy picked it off. I was like, all right, that's good night. That's good night. He's Eric so. Wilson, former Al's defensive tackle, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri and John Still. I'm watching those games. I mean, I hadn't forgotten, but it was a nice reminder, Eric, just – the defensive line that you guys had with Anwar and Bowman, Karan Williams, yourself, McElveen was rotating in. Uh, I think you guys yeah. had J.P. Bakasiak in there, another you know a fellow yeah. Canadian on the interior. Like you guys yeah. were stacked on the defensive line. It was, um, you know, I'll, that 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 2009 team um, to me was probably the best group of guys that I played with since um, I won the national championship at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a group of guys who just worked well together. We meshed. We did what we needed to get the job done. And, you know, again, I'll speak on myself for a second. You know, playing playing nose guard, you know, it's, it's not the most glorious uh, <laughs> position, but my job was to take two people yeah. and to leave Karan, John, and Anwar one-on-one and you know we used to go into the game i'm like listen you know i'm gonna do my job i need you guys to win i need you guys to win your Mm one-on-one and you know mike sinclair who was our defensive line coach i mean we used to have meetings and there wasn't a lot to say you know don't lose contain and do your job and we knew what type of players we were and you know we had the best run defense in the league i mean in 2009 until the last i think three until the last three games um, you know, we were on pace to be the best defense in the history of the CFO. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if we got a little complacent or we just got a little, you know, too uh, excited about that comment, but we kind of gave up some points on those last three games um, in the regular season. And uh, I guess we're the second best defense. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, when you look down, you've yeah. got two big fat rings on your fingers. So, I mean, yeah, it doesn't, absolutely. nobody remembers your first, second, it's all good. And you say yeah. it's not a glamorous position, the, the nose guard position you played. You're probably right. It's not. But I just remember, you know, for anybody who really paid attention, you played that position at a very, very high level and you were very consistent. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was my job. And I, you know what? I loved it. And, and that's the thing about this game, right? Is they're going to change? You're going to change positions. You're going to move around sometimes. It's are you are you a person that's able to buy into the position, mm-hmm. to buy into the coaching staff, to buy into what they're to what they're selling? And I had no problem with that. You, you know, you know from watching me. I mean, it, listen, if somebody goes down an offensive guard, I'm over there. I'm the wedge. I'm the kick return. I'm the fullback. I'm, I didn't care, man. Football was a game yeah. that I was good at. I had a passion for it. And I loved it. And I would do anything to, to do it at a hundred percent all the time. I mean, you talk to the guys in practice. If I putting on pad, I was hundred and fifty miles. Hey, Eric, you're break you're breaking up a little bit, man. We're losing okay. you. Okay. Yeah, you're still you're breaking up a little bit. Maybe just go back to. Are you moving around? 
Yeah, you're you're. It's still a little choppy. Hold on, maybe John. John, you want to just maybe take him off, and we'll just touch base with him again there. See, that's Eric Wilson, uh, big number sixty nine of the Montreal Alouettes, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. And we we talked about the you know tenth anniversary of the two thousand and ten Grey Cup, and that's coming up on November twenty eighth, and it's also going to be uh, the anniversary, the the fiftieth anniversary of the nineteen seventy Grey Cup. Um, but it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years since the Owls won a great cup. And I know that Eric Wilson maybe, you know, didn't get the superstar accolades, but I, I genuinely believe that, you know, being an interior defensive lineman, when you have guys like Karan Williams, John Bowman, and Anwar Stewart around you, those are the guys that are going to get after the quarterbacks. Those are the guys that are going to make the money. We're just trying to connect with Eric Wilson again here. Uh, but Eric did his job at an extremely high level, and uh, I think any Alouettes fan who paid attention knew that he was an extremely valuable piece. Eric, do we got you? Yeah, we, there we're you good, go. Think, right there, yeah, okay. there we go. There we go. So no, I was just saying what I told you again. It's just you know you played your position at a high level. You opened the door. I, I want to go back to 2009. Uh, that Grey Cup game, everybody remembers it as the too many men on the field. The one thing that's often overlooked, though, and people forget about this, is uh, you know the Owls were down. Uh, was it eight? And Ben Cahoon scored the touchdown. Uh, the there was somehow no pass interference on the two point convert. Jamel Richardson got mugged. The the flag stayed in the official's pocket. But people forget the defense came out and forced the two and out. And Saskatchewan wasn't even able to milk. I think there was like a minute thirty nine when Saskatchewan got the ball back, and you guys forced the two and out. It sounded something like this. Uh, let me let me take you back down memory lane, Eric. Hit and Rob Bags not getting up right away. You heard the thud there. I'll never forget the thud watching on TV. Chip Cox actually broke a uh, Rob Bags collarbone on that totally clean hit, uh, but that's how hard he got him. And I know you were on the field, you were getting a good push up the middle, but yeah. you guys got the ball back with just under a minute left. Uh, Bratton fumbled uh, the ensuing yeah. punt, uh, but Etienne Boule fell on it, and then the rest is history. But what do you remember about, you know, you, you guys, you know you have to force it to and out, or Saskatchewan can run the clock out. Take me through that final Saskatchewan possession. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's everyone, man. You want to, as a defense, you, you don't want to be on the field too long. You want to you get off. You want to give that offense. And, you know, with Anthony running that system and, and, and Trustman, you know, Trustman and and Anthony, you know, running together. Listen, we only need less than a minute, and we can we can we can make it happen. We can uh, we can take it down the field. So, I mean, as a defense, we know what's on the line. If we don't get this two two and out, then the, then the game is over. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, again, Mike, you know, Mike was an amazing coach for us, and we listened to him, we trusted in him, and we did what we were supposed to do. And to get that two and out and give that give the ball back to uh, to Anthony, I mean, it's uh, it's go time from there. All right, uh, a couple more memories for you. This one might hurt a little bit, but you know it gets sweeter. And now for the win. A guy who helped put him in a bind today with a couple of poor kicks gets to go from the doghouse to being a hero, and he's missed, but there are markers down. Penalty markers down all over the field. 
All right, Chris Cuthbert with the call there. Eric, when you're watching that, what's going through your mind when you see that he missed right? <laughs> I was like, this is, oh, you've been to, I mean, right at that moment, um, as I'm on the field, and then I'll reflect uh, afterwards. But, you know, we lost in 08. Yes. Um, with, when, the, when the stage was set for the, the most epic, uh, you know, battle ever, Eastern Final in, in, in Montreal. Great Cup in Montreal, and we lose to Calgary. Mm-hmm. Now coming back, you go to the second year. All of a sudden, you're sitting there. It's like, man, we're about to win the Great Cup, and it goes right. And you're like, what? I mean, it's that pit in the body of your stomach, right, where everything just kind of floats away. And as you're watching Saskatchewan put their hats on and mm-hmm. celebrate, and then all of a sudden you see the fl- you know the flags are on the ground. You're like, what? Like what just happened? You know, and so there was a lot of emotion going on in those last couple seconds. And now, Duval gets a second chance from 33 yards out to win the 97th Great Cup. Ball down, ball through, and the Montreal Alouettes have come all the way back, and they are the 2009 Great Cup champions. (laughs) Big number 69, former Owls defensive tackle Eric Wilson joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. Uh, that's got to be a pretty sweet feeling. I know Damon uh, went around telling people that the, the referee throwing the flag uh, kind of threw him off, but I don't know. I'm not buying that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I buy that, I'm Eric. Not, I'm not buying it either. <laughs> I'm not buying it either because you know what? It, it doesn't it, Listen, it doesn't matter what happened. You missed you missed the first kick, right? Like yeah, it's, it's it's in reality, and you know what? He was so clutch all year long, and for something that to happen like that, you're just like you feel for him. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he gets a second chance to redeem and and take his team and and win the championship. But that I can't I can't understand the emotion of going. We we basically went from winning or from losing to winning. Right? Yeah. Our emotions were losing to winning. I can't understand what. Those, you know, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders felt when they won and then they lost. Like that to me was, it's still in my mind today of of those kids over there that, you know, put on their hats and celebrated. They just won the Grey Cup and then they didn't win it, you know. And so it was, it was a, it was an unbelievable, you know, thing that will will always be etched in in my mind as one of the, you know, greatest finishes to any game that ever ever played him. Absolutely. In and and it's not just them. I mean the players, the coaches, everybody was stunned, Eric, but uh, I wasn't there in Calgary for that game, but what would you say was the crowd 90 for 95% riders? Oh, it was it was huge. It was huge. It was a sea of green, right? yeah. you know, and uh but that listen, man, we did what we needed to do. And, yeah. You know what? That's what that's what's amazing about this sport, right? Is is anything can happen at any time and you just gotta make sure that you're you're on point. So uh I know that uh, you, you primarily played on defense, but give me your favorite Tressman story. <laughs> a good one that I haven't okay. heard before. Okay. I'll give you a favorite and this is just this is just me personally. I'm just gonna throw it out there because I'm a cigar guy. <laughs> yes, I, I know that. Yeah. I, lo- I love my cigars. Uh-huh. So, you know, we'll just say that I'm not going to mention any names. There's guys that, you know, sometimes dip, you know, chew tobacco, right? Yeah. And you have spit cups. And I'm like, oh, I don't dip. I don't, I don't like this. I, I like to chew my cigars. Right. So I would chew my cigars in the meetings. 
And one day, um, Mike Sinclair, my, my D-line coach, comes up. He's like, hey, uh, I, need you to, I need you to take that cigar uh, out of your mouth. I'm like, why? What do you mean? He's like, just uh, a big man kind of gave me uh, gave me a look, and uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to call that quits. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? You got guys dipping all over the room, and you worried about me chewing a cigar? And he was like, "Listen, this is a battle. We do not want to fight." And I said, "You know what? To be a bigger man and understand where you're at and your position and your ego and things." I said, "You know what? Perfect. The least amount of drama in my life is what I need." And Tristan and I had an uh, amazing relationship, and I talked to him, you know, uh, a few months later, and he's just like, you know what? I didn't like the look. I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> like, all right. I love you, brother. I love you. But what a good man. What a good man to come up there and transition. He was actually the offensive coordinator down in Miami when I was down in Miami. In right. So, so. so you were familiar with him before. And I just – I remember – um, going there, you know, I was young when you were here, yep. and I remember going to practices, and it was just, it was mind-boggling. Defense, offense, special teams, like those practices were, it, I know he says it's controlled chaos, and if, if you can get through that, then the game seems that much slower to you, but the amount of precision and the detail was remarkable. Oh, let me tell you, that guy, Mark Tressman, um was, you know, I, I'm just gonna. I, he, he's a scientist. Like he, you know, he he knew exactly what amount of of different uh, pieces to put together to make this uh, unbelievable, you know, thing at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And he did it. And him and Anthony worked on such a high level that you couldn't slack. You mm-hmm. couldn't because you would you wouldn't be there. You you had to have everybody right behind them you know, maintaining that high level of precision, like you said, and just everything was done at such a high level. And it was, you know, it, it was, I think it was, excuse me, I think it was eye-opening for a lot of uh, a lot of players. And that's the thing that I was, I think, most proud about those guys is you have to buy into what your coach is selling, right? Mm-hmm. And for that group in 08, 9, 10, 11, we bought in because there's coaches. Listen, there's other coaches that are amazing, but can you get your players to buy into what you're selling? And Tressman was a magician at that. And he was, you know, he got us to do our job on a daily basis at the highest level in the least amount of time. And you know what, that saved our bodies throughout the season. And, uh, you know, I'll always, uh, you know, be in debt to him as a, uh, as a person, as a mentor and a, as a head coach. He's former Owls defensive tackle Eric Wilson joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 uh, with Joey Alfieri. Mustafa Kiza of the Montreal Impact will join us in less than 10 minutes' time. Uh, okay, uh, we, we've talked, Owls. I, I promised the audience <laughs> that we would talk about your time at Michigan a little bit. Uh, and yeah. you, you and Tommy Brady overlapped, right? Yeah, we played. Yeah, Tom, Tom and I played for uh, four years together. So, so four years. Uh, what was Brady like before? You know, hitting it, hitting it big. Did you guys like? Did you guys interact a lot? Did you hang out? Like, yeah, what, what's the listen, deal? We, yeah, he, he was a great guy. He was a Cali kid, man. He was, yeah. you know, had his shoulder length hair, and you know, he was uh, he was a good guy. He was just a low key, you know, uh, pretty mellow, you know, West Coast kid. Um, you know, very very polite. 
and it was it was a weird scenario for him. You know, I I, I also played with Charles Woodson. Yep. My roommate was Steve Hutchinson, mm-hmm. just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Um, Woodson's up next year. I mean, the crew that I played with at Michigan for my four years was superior. It was it, you could put it on the level of the of the '09 and '10 Grey Cup, you know, uh, level. I mean, my our sorry our record it was like forty three and eight. Four straight New Year's Bowl wins, yeah. three Big Tens, the national championship. Like the group there was, you, you couldn't touch it, you know. And even you know that's the last time. Again, you know, it's funny that you say fifty years ago, the Grey Cup. Yeah. It was when I played at Michigan. It was fifty years. Nineteen forty-eight was the last time that Michigan won a national championship until we did in nineteen ninety-seven. So it was it was wild. But Brady, yeah, Brady was a good man. Like he was, uh, he was a good guy and. You know, whenever we go back to Michigan and we see, it's like it's like we haven't left. You know. So if I, would can you would you pick up the phone and call Brady on our behalf? Can you get him on the show or what? <laughs> <laughs> it may take a little longer uh, yeah. to work out the the, the optics, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Do you have a, Do you have a Brady? Like, is there a Brady story in college that stands out? I um I hit Brady one time in practice. <laughs> And um, it was, you know, we were just, we were running teams. And, you know, in, in my mind, you know, as a big defensive tackle, yeah. if I have to run like 45 yards across the field, he rolled out like I was coming from the other side and, and I came up and then he kind of, you know, he, uh, somebody blocked him, on, uh, blocked uh, on the sideline and he came back to run up the field and I was coming across and I just laid him out. And I tell you what, by the time that I got up, Coach Lloyd Carr had my face mask in his hand, and it was just—I couldn't—I couldn't even tell you what he said. It was just so loud in my face, and it was—you know—afterwards, if you ever hit this kid, you know, we're not supposed to hit the quarterback. So I was like, you know what? I'm tired. I ran 45 yards across the field, and I just—I—I I, I hit him, and like I said, by the time I got up, it was uh, Lloyd had my face mask, and it was. Well, let's just say I had a couple plays off after that. Did you know, like, <laughs> look, I, I, listen, I don't think anybody knew that he'd hit that he'd hit it this big. But did you did you have an idea that he'd have some type of like would he be a quarterback at the NFL level? Like, could you tell back then? I, I don't think so. I mean, listen, um, in the nineteen, I think it was nineteen ninety nineteen ninety eight uh, Orange Bowl game. I want to think. Um, Tremendous job like that. That I think was uh, whenever we beat Alabama in the in the Orange Bowl. I think it was nineteen ninety eight. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, an unbelievable game. But I think at that at that time that level, then he started splitting time with Drew Henson. Like I don't I don't I don't even think that he knew it at that time. Um, you know, very very uh, pinpointed. You know, leader things like that, but I don't know if he thought that, like, he would go to this level either. Mm-hmm. And, um, but just a gentleman. I mean, I, m- I remember one story, you know, you see it now nowadays where people have, you know, these huge parties and, and things for draft day, and, you know, they got their family and their friends and things like that. I think the story goes that um, Brady called his agent. He said, listen, I'll be at the San Francisco Giants game. Call me if something happens. <laughs> 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 You know, then he gets picked up, and and, and then he goes to New England, and yeah. you know, what happens if Bledsoe never gets hurt? Like, yeah, it's a it's a crazy line, and now the guy's you know the guy's amazing. You know, he found how to operate himself, 
at such a superior high level that you, you can't you can't touch him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now he's become you know he's he's on top of the world you know but um, you know just a good guy. I played with him um, and uh, to see the success that he's had, I couldn't be happier. Well, you, you you rocked him. You didn't you didn't play. I mean, you he probably doesn't have. He probably remembers that. He might have a. He might have your number tattooed on his somewhere on his body still. And you know what? It's disappointing to see that he's 43 and still playing, and you're 42 and you threw in the towel, Eric. I'm disappointed about that. But you guys did play different positions, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It is. It's, it is crazy, man. It's. Uh, it's. I, I still think about it. You know, I've been retired for eight years now. Yeah. Retired in 2012. And um, I still think about the game every single day. I mean, I, I probably could have played another two two years, but. You know, my family started here in, in New York, and um, I said, you know what? I want to walk away from this game. I want to walk away uh, healthy as I can. And I was able, you know, I was able to do both and, um, you know, go from there. But I, I do. I miss the game. I miss the locker room. I miss the fans. I miss, uh, you know, it's just something that you're going to take uh, with, you know, for the rest of your life. Well, it's uh, it was a great career, man. It was really fun to follow along, and uh, I hope we can do this again soon. And hopefully, uh, either you come up here uh, and we can uh, maybe meet up, or uh, I'll come down whenever we're allowed to, whenever the border opens, and hopefully we can uh, we can uh, grab a meal together. It would re- be really cool to catch up, man. But I appreciate you doing this, and uh, let's stay in touch. All right. Absolutely, Joey. Anytime, anything you need. And as soon as the border opens up, you can guarantee I will be in Montreal. I got I'm you. Maybe we'll have Montreal you on so when when Harbaugh gets fired. Maybe we'll have you back on. All right. Oh, <laughs> it's Eric Listen, Wilson. They play Wisconsin at seven thirty tonight, so we'll see how yeah, that goes. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Eric Wilson, right. thank you so much, man. Thank you, sir. That's Enjoy. Eric Wilson, Bye. former defensive tackle, two-time Grey Cup champion with the Montreal Alouettes, big number 69. Uh, I was uh, funny. I, I can't believe that he would hit Tommy Brady like that in a practice. But, hey, you're a big defensive tackle. You ran 45 yards. There needs to be some type of payoff, and uh, – I guess that was it. Yeah, it's, I was gonna. Uh, yeah. I was gonna chirp him there uh, until that story about wearing sixty nine as a defensive uh, lineman. Yeah, that's a big no no. It's a big well, no no in the uh, he made in it the work. football circles. Well, he made sure. it work. He made it work. Uh, the newest member of the Montreal Impact made a huge difference in their win over DC United last week. Left back Mustafa Kiza played twenty minutes, but factored in on the final, the game-winning goal. How many minutes is he ready for next Friday against New England? Kiza will tell us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690.